Welcome to the Millennial Money Canada podcast, a financial podcast dedicated to helping millennials make good financial decisions. This podcast is hosted by me, Sam Lightman. Welcome to episode number one. I'm very excited to get this up and running, and I'd first like to introduce myself. I'm a millennial, a certified financial planner at an independent firm in Canada. I'm also a licensed financial advisor through Portfolio Strategies Corporation, and it's important to know that none of what I say should be taken as financial advice for your individual situation. This is just informational purposes only. Today the topic is going to be exploring RRSPs and dispelling some myths around this plan. There's a lot of negativity towards RRSPs, uh, specifically from millennials, and it comes from a fundamental misunderstanding as to how they work. So let's jump right into it. Uh, the first myth we're going to look at with RRSPs is that they don't have any value because you're going to have to pay tax when you take them out. Now, that's true in some aspects. You do have to pay tax on RRSPs when you take them out. But think about it like this and this is also echoed by many other industry experts. Um, if you put money into an RRSP at a certain tax bracket and you take it out, even if you're at the same tax bracket in retirement as you were when you put the money in, what happened in the middle is that you just got an entirely tax-free investment growth in the plan because you deferred the tax up front and got the tax savings then you took the tax, took the money out of the RRSP, and you had to pay the tax. And if the dollar and percentage rate is the same in terms of taxes when you put it in as when you take it out, essentially you've just had tax-free investment growth. The key to this plan is to make sure that you don't waste the RRSP um, tax savings that you get by contributing to the plan. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong with RRSPs. So it's really important to know that you need to make sure that when you put money into an RRSP, that the refund that you're generating for yourself doesn't just go to buy that new TV or pay for that vacation. If that refund goes to an investment plan, even in a tax-free savings account or reinvested in an RRSP if you have the room, uh, that's where it has a lot of value. Okay, so that's myth number one that it's better to not use an RSP because you get taxed on it in retirement and at the end of the day you're likely to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement than you are when you first put the money into an RSP. I said likely, not guaranteed, but likely. Um, and even if you are not and you're in the same tax bracket, then you will still benefit from having the interim tax-free investment growth. Myth number two is that it's better to go with a tax-free savings account and that the tax-free savings account has essentially made the RSP pointless at this point in time. And again, that's not entirely true and it's completely out of context because when you use a tax-free savings account, which is a fantastic um, tax-saving vehicle and investment and wealth creation vehicle, um, the RRSP still has a place and still holds a ton of value. So just because you're able to put money in a tax-free savings account doesn't mean you always should. For instance, if you're in a very high tax bracket 
and you know that this is going to be the highest earning years of your life. Um, and you know that based on financial projections, you're likely to have lower income in retirement, then it'll be worth your while to defer the tax owing to retirement. And the reason why is because tax paid later is better than tax paid today, right? If you can defer a liability down the road and it doesn't increase due to the deferral, it's better. Um, but the other side of it is that when you contribute to an RRSP, you're going to get a tax savings as well as a tax deferral, right? Because there's two components to an RRSP. When you make a contribution, you get the deferral of paying taxes on your salary. So it's like a salary deferral mechanism. So if you are supposed to owe $3,000 in taxes, maybe a $10,000 RSP contribution could defer that $3,000 of taxes owing to when you take out the sal that portion of your salary in retirement, which would be, again, you, know, you take out that $10,000 plus investment growth and, and that would be your salary deferral. And then you'd owe the taxes in retirement. So there's the one aspect of it, which is tax deferral. But then there's the second aspect of it, which in many cases is true, which is tax savings. And tax savings, it happens when you are in a lower tax bracket in retirement than you are in your income earning years. And that is the case in most situations, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, I get a lot of people saying, but what if I'm not? What if I'm not and I've wasted money putting in an RRSP? Well, we'll go back to that first example. You haven't wasted the money. You've actually just incurred tax-free investment growth in the meantime and you've deferred a tax liability down the road, which is still a benefit to you because tax deferred is better than tax paid today as long as it doesn't increase the amount of tax owing. Um, and then again, if you're taking advantage of um, strategic income planning in retirement where you know your average tax rate may be similar, you're still better off because you can strategically withdraw your RRSPs before age 72 to smooth over an average tax rate throughout retirement, virtually ensuring that you're going to realize some tax savings throughout your retirement. And that's not an easy thing to do. Um, it's not an easy thing to be able to project exactly what your RSP income and total retirement income will be, but that's where professional services like financial planners come into play. Um, so uh, I know millennials don't love working with financial advisors and financial planners. In fact, a third of millennials are expected to leave their financial advisors in the near future. Um, and I understand why. I mean, I'm a millennial and I'm a financial advisor, and, and I understand the sentiment that is towards the financial industry. But there are definitely times and places where it's very valuable to have a financial advisor on your team. Uh, how you pay them is and can be negotiable. Um, and that's something that you have to, to figure out and find someone who adds value to your situation. Um, so if you say, well, I'm just going to contribute to a tax-free savings account instead of an RSP, uh, what you're doing is you're essentially deciding I'm going to pay the taxes up front on my salary and invest so that my earnings are tax-free later on. Instead of saying I'm going to invest and defer the tax owing 
in introduce a tax savings mechanism into my plan, an RSP is very useful for that. So that's myth number two. It's better to go for a TFSA than an RSP. In some cases, it definitely is. But if you're in a high income tax bracket and you're fa fairly confident you'll be in a lower income tax bracket in retirement, then it's very beneficial to still use an RSP in those situations. Okay, let's look at myth number three. And I want to make this clear as well. I'm getting these commonly, frequently kind of used myths from CPA Canada's website. Uh, they have an ex excellent article. I recommend you check it out, cpacanada.ca. Um, and this is, uh, this is where I'm getting these myths from. And I do see this quite a bit in my TikTok channel, Millennial Money Canada. And um, throughout my, my years as a financial planner, I've, I've seen quite a bit of RSP reluctance. And I've, I've definitely tried to combat it when I see it because I think it's just based on a misunderstanding. Let's look at myth number three. Uh, it's better to pay off debt. So, okay. Should you pay off extra amounts onto your mortgage or should you invest in an RSP? And this, again, comes more in context of your individual situation. So if you've got high interest credit card debt, that's going to charge you 19.99%. It's compounding and you're just kind of drowning. And let's say you get a bonus. Is it better to put that bonus in an RSP? Well, probably better off for you for a number of reasons to pay off that credit card. Um, but if you're in a situation where you're thinking, maybe I should pay my mortgage down instead of put money into the RSPs, the RSPs uh, do provide a mechanism that allows you to do both. And in the context of, in, in many cases anyway, it's not in all cases, but in many cases. And the reason why I don't tend to advocate for people paying off their mortgage early, especially these days, is because of how low interest rates are. So if you look at the current interest rate, it's between 1.6 and 2.3% on a five-year mortgage, variable or fixed rate. That's kind of the range. You're looking at like 1.6%. You know, there's some that are really low, uh, but let's say on average 1.6, around 2.3%, maybe at the high end of a fixed rate mortgage these days. So, okay, if you put money into an RSP, so you put $10,000 into an RSP, and you can earn a 6% rate of return. Well, now you've got to look at the trade-offs. A 6% rate of return that at the best is going to be essentially a tax-free investment earning vehicle. Uh, I know that you do have to pay the taxes on it when you take it out, but as I just described in point number one, um, it's essentially a tax-free investment generation vehicle. Then what you are looking at is a potential of earning 6% versus a guarantee of saving 2% in interest costs. Now, in order to get 6%, you do have to take some risk. Um, but a well-managed portfolio has historically been able to earn 6%. A well-managed balanced portfolio has historically been able to earn 6%, specifically in index funds, uh, where there's low management costs, which I'm a big advocate for. Uh, index funds held in an RSP, NTFSA, and non-registered. There's numerous benefits to them. I'm not going to go in that in today's podcast. That's a different episode. But um, you're definitely able to earn a 6% rate of return if you're willing to take some risk. Um, it's not guaranteed, but it's likely. 
So we're looking at earning a 6% rate of return versus saving 2%. Well, the spread there is 4%. You're going to come out 4% ahead on average every year if you are able to earn a 6% rate of return by investing long-term in RRSPs. So, so there's that aspect to it as well. And again, if you decide to pay off your mortgage early, again, what you're doing is you're essentially saying, I would rather pay the taxes today than defer them to a later time where I can institute tax savings, number one, and tax deferral, number two, and tax deferred investment growth, number three. So there's those three key benefits. And again, in this specific comparison, you're also generating a 4% positive spread by putting money into an RRSP um, and waiting. So, so there's a number of benefits, especially when you're talking low interest debt, um, that it may be more beneficial for you to invest into an RRSP than it would be to pay off mortgage debt. Now, if we're talking again, like I said earlier, credit cards, it's probably a better idea to pay off a high interest credit card, get your financial situation uh, back on track before you start committed to committing to growing wealth um, because you need to be able to take care of your negative balances first, uh, especially when they're unsecured and when they're high interest. So, okay. And then lots of objections to saving to an RSP come from a position of financial constraint. And I, I completely understand that. We're talking places like Toronto or Vancouver or Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton. Um, there's very high costs of living there and inflation's only making things worse. We're seeing inflation up 4.6% in Canada. That's really high. And so it does make it difficult to consider saving in things in vehicles like an RSP. But this is, again, a point where I'd like to challenge a little bit. Uh, we definitely are spoiled in many senses in Canada. Now, not everyone is, but uh, I think most people if they really dug down deep into their budgets, would be able to come up with some dollars to put away. It doesn't have to be a lot, um, especially when you start young. You know, if, if according to this example in cpacanada.ca, if you were to invest just $100 each month in your RSP from ages 30 to 65, and you got a 5% rate of return, in 35 years, you would have built up over $114,000 in your RSP. And it's funny because sometimes I actually give that example and people are like, well, $114,000 is nothing, so I'm just not going to save. Well, $114,000 is a heck of a lot bigger than nothing. Um, so it's th that, that could be a year of your retirement, a year a retire year that you retire early. So just $100 a month for 35 years gets you to $115,000 fairly easily. So it's really important to know that like, if you can save anything, um, and it makes makes sense to put it into an RRSP, then it's not worthless. $114,000 is not a little bit of money. Um, so make sure that you keep that in mind when you're making those considerations and those declarations when you're saying, well, an RRSP doesn't make sense for me. <sighs> All right, and let's look at the last myth, and then I'm going to go through some additional benefits of the RRSP um, that you may or may not know about and kind of walk you through some of the cool advantages that uh, this plan offers people. So another myth is that 
it's not worthwhile contributing because there'll be a large tax bill when you pass away. Now again, there is going to be a large tax bill potentially when you pass away, but this can be mitigated through good planning. Now, when you pass away, there's something called the spousal rollover status. If you're married or living common law with a partner, then you are able to actually just take that balance inside your RSP and it goes directly tax-free rollover to your spouse. And then they will, at that point in time, inherit the RSP and be able to take income from it in the form of a RIF. A RIF is a registered retirement income fund, and that's what happens when the annuitant of the RSP turns 72. Okay, or the beneficiary, or not the beneficiary, the owner of the RSP turns 72. They become an annuitant to the registered retirement income fund. So there's there's that. So it's not taxed initially on the rollover to your spouse, and then once your spouse passes away, then there is a tax bill owing. There's a number of ways that this can be mitigated though. Now, no one has a crystal ball, but we can plan for as best we can to look at life expectancy and create a retirement income plan that withdraws the RSP over the course of the likely expected age of the retirement uh, of, the, of the retiree. So if we are confident that they're going to live to 83, which is life expectancy for females, um, or sorry, for males and, and for women, it's it's 85. Well, then we can reasonably assume that if they're in good health in retirement, that they are likely to live to at least life expectancy. And we can create a retirement withdrawal strategy that trickles the RSP maybe out at a higher amount than the minimums because RIFs, when you turn 72, they mandate a minimum that you have to take out. Um, we're often able to come up with strategic withdrawal strategies to make sure that those plans still enact part two of RSPs, which are tax savings. We're still, you know, combining with CPP, old age security, RSP income, maybe some pension income. Um, we're still able to smooth some of that out so that we're very much in control as to um, what tax bracket the retiree is in and how much tax they're going to be paying. And if we can have them pay that tax over the course of their life and smooth out and even out the tax rates, then again, we're saving taxes and there's not going to be a huge tax liability. There's also other planning tools like permanent life insurance that are options for estate planning. Let's talk about some of the benefits of RSPs now. And so back about four years ago, I used to do home buyer seminars. And these seminars were wildly popular. It was in person back before everything happened with the virus. And we'd get 60 to 70 people come out in our small town of, of Regina, Saskatchewan. And it was quite the event and people were very interested in it. Actually, the main point though of my seminars was always the RRSP Home Buyers Plan. So the RRSP Home Buyers Plan allows you to contribute up to $35,000 as long as you have the room in your RRSPs and then withdraw it for your first home. There's a number of ways and things you have to do to qualify for the home buyer's plan. But essentially, if you're a first time home buyer and a permanent resident, and you have the RSP room to contribute, then likely you'll qualify for this plan. So we would hold these seminars and explain to people how the RSPs worked, and they would, you know, they would receive a ton of value from it. So 
it kind of got me thinking that I, I, I don't think that this concept is very widely known in terms of RSPs. I even had one person talk to me at, at the time and say, this is something that I didn't even know existed. It's too good to be true. What's the catch? So I'm going to walk you through the plan really quick, and then I'm going to walk you through one other positive aspect of the uh, RSP, the Lifelong Learning Plan, and how that works. So with the RSP Home Buyers Plan, if you contribute up to $35,000 to the plan, you're able to withdraw that $35,000 tax-free. Remember when we said there's a tax owing on the withdrawal of the RSPs? Well, the withdrawal for the Home Buyers Plan, you don't have to pay any tax on. I'll go through some of the restrictions around it in a minute. But you're able to take it out and use it really for anything. You don't necessarily need to use it for the down payment. You can use it for other expenses related to buying the home. You can put it in your tax-free savings account and, and have it as an emergency fund. The plan is pretty flexible in those aspects. So the big benefit of it is all of the creative ways that we're able to use the RSP Home Buyers Plan. Um, creative way number one, I recommend most of the time, and again, this isn't necessarily directed at you, but when I sit in front of clients and I know their financial situation, I recommend most of the time that they contribute to an RSP to withdraw the funds, whether they're low income or high income, if they're in a position to buy their first home. And the reason being is because if we can reasonably assume that their income is going to increase in the future, we don't need to claim the RRSP deductions until their income hits a certain point in time. We don't need to claim the deductions right away. And that's a, that's a very uh, misunderstood concept of the RSP is that the year you contribute is the year you have to claim any tax deductions. And that's not true. So we can carry forward the deductions until such a year as, as will be beneficial for them. So that's number one. But the other side of it is that they don't necessarily need to pay back the RSP home buyers plan. Now you may be saying, hold on a second, Sam. What do you mean about paying it back? So let's walk through that uh, stipulation around the home buyers plan first. So when you take the money out, you have 15 years that you have to make 1 15th of the withdrawal. So if you took out $15,000, then you need to pay $1,000 a year back. And that repayment schedule starts the year after you move into your home. So what happens if you don't pay it back though? Are there any additional penalties? Are there any fees? Well, in reality, the only thing that happens is that payment that you did not put back into the RRSP gets added to your taxable income for the year. Okay, so now we're looking at a position where you say, okay, I'm going to um, contribute to the RRSP, claim a deduction, and then if I don't pay it back, I just have to pay 115th, like all, all the, the $1,000 that I don't pay back gets added to my taxable income for the year and I have to pay taxes on it then. So what am I essentially doing? Well, I'm deferring the tax liability. And if RRSPs maybe don't make sense for you because you're in a low income tax bracket, well essentially all you're doing to yourself then is taking out a loan against your future tax returns. And in here, here's what it comes down to. You claim the $35,000 in, in deductions today. Let's say that generates you an $8,000 tax refund, okay? Let's just, let's just say that we're gonna round numbers. You contribute $35,000 and you claim uh, and you, you, you get an $8,000 tax refund. Well, now you've got $8,000 extra dollars to either put towards the down payment, put into your savings account, um, or just have general intact savings in general. So 
now what you are doing essentially is you're going to pay that $8,000 back over the course of 15 years, right? Because you've saved $8,000 in taxes, but you're gonna owe $8,000 in taxes over the course of the next 15 years. But if you put that $8,000 to work for you and invest it in a TFSA or invest it in an RSP, then essentially what you're looking at is that $8,000 turning into a, more money over the course of that 15 years and you're better off because yes, you're still gonna owe $8,000 in taxes spread out over 15 years as long as you're in the same tax bracket, but maybe that $8,000 that you took out a loan against your future tax returns is going to generate you 10,000 or $15,000 after investment growth. So there's those things to consider as well. So that's a really big benefit from the RSPs um, that many people don't take into consideration and just claim that the RSPs are, are not for them. Whereas in fact, they may be regardless of the income tax bracket they're in. Okay, the next, the next good thing about RSPs is the lifelong learning plan. And the lifelong learning plan allows you to take out money to go back to school for you or your spouse. So it's a really, really good plan. Now the plan allows you to take $20,000 out over the course of your post-secondary career. So it's $10,000 in the first year and $10,000 in total again after that. So the total is 20,000 that you're able to take out in aggregate and 10,000 is limited to the first year. So um, it, once again, it's, it works in the same way as the home buyer's plan except you, ha you have a 10 year period to pay it back. So you can essentially leverage your RSPs to go back to school, get you in a higher, um, get you, get you a, a, maybe a master's degree or your PhD or a bachelor's degree and put you in a position where you're now going to make more money. So there's, there's a, a really good benefit for that too, right? You can basically borrow from yourself for your RSPs and then you have that 10 year period to pay them back. So RSPs are a very misunderstood savings vehicle um, they are not inherently in and of themselves an investment. You don't invest in an RSP. You contribute to an RSP and invest in funds like a mutual fund or an exchange-traded fund or an index fund or stocks or bonds. Um, and, make, and you make it work for you. So those are some myths around RSPs and some useful benefits from an RSP. And like you can they have a lot of utility even for people just in the um, accumulation stage uh, to use not just kind of watch them grow you can actually use them so this has been um, a, a fairly comprehensive overview of RSPs dispelling some myths and going through some of the benefits of them and I'm really happy that you know we're getting this podcast started and I'm hoping to have some very uh, established guests in the Canadian financial industry on this podcast showcasing their advice and their recommendations for millennials on investing. So thanks for tuning in to episode number one of the Millennial Money Canada podcast. Uh, we're very much looking forward to growing this channel. Uh, please rate this podcast uh, and tell us what you think. Give us feedback. Give me feedback. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's an idea that was generated from my TikTok channel, Millennial Money Canada, which I would encourage you to check out as well. Uh, it's a growing channel. We've hit over 
as of this recording date, which is in November of 2021. We've hit over 31,000 followers on the channel and we're just growing. And this is all about spreading financial literacy. So thanks so much for tuning in today. We'll see you next time.